Are you ready for cocktails and conversation? This is Herspiration Happy Hour. Happy Wednesday and welcome to another episode of Herspiration Happy Hour Season 5. I'm tired. This yes. is your unapologetic diva, Dr. G. This is Cortina Peters, a.k.a. the Girlfriend Therapist. And but right now, we don't have our third member on here, Louisa, the, you know, uh, the Blue Phoenix Heels. But I'm sure she'll be popping in shortly. Um, but, you know, she normally has our drink of the day. So. <laughs> but I have a drink of the day for us because she's a ghost. I have one for us. Okay. All right. So, so we'll be stepping on. Uh, this is called the Ghost Cocktail because Louisa is ghost. Um, and so you have one and one fourth ounces of Smirnoff vanilla vodka mixed with one fourth ounce of half and half and then one fourth ounce of simple syrup and one half ounce uh, Godiva white chocolate liqueur. Shake with ice and pour into a glass. And that is your ghost cocktail for today. Oh, here she is. Oh, she just popped. Louisa in the house. Hey, ladies. Hi. Hey. We just dedicated a drink to you called the ghost. Y'all funny. You know what? Louisa is ghost. And we got this ghost cocktail. So, baby. Yeah, I was trying to get back to my phone. It's been so wild today, y'all. I'm sorry. Oh, trust me. I, I, I had everything. It, 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 Trust me, I just got in to Alabama an hour ago. 11 hours on the road. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, and and even more so, I leave tomorrow for Jackson, Mississippi. Oh, my goodness. Are you driving? Yes, I drove down. Um, this was my, well, not quite my halfway point, but I'm used to driving to my mom's and my mom is five hours from Jackson. So I will head in the morning so that I can go do the walkthrough and finalize a lot of last minute stuff for the venue. And then, um, you know, I can relax. Not really. Um, finish stuff. As you see, I got stuff all behind me still. Uh, I need to pack the car up, still put some stuff together. I even, I'm over here. I'm going to be doing some stuff during this podcast. So uh, how has your week's been? You said it was a wild day for you, Louisa. What's going on? It, uh, it, <laughs> siblings and children. And it's just been <laughs> one of those things everybody has a problem. Yeah. Okay. Okay. What about you, Cortina? How's your day going? You, you're, how are you loving your new space? Oh, I, I I love it. It's it's me. It's inviting. It's my space only. I'm not sharing a lobby with anybody outside of the people who are under my vision and my mission. So I absolutely love it. I don't know if you guys seen all of the updates that I've done to the website, but if you haven't, go take a look. I hardly breathe. Oh, been breathing. Okay, and tell us what website that is, please. Oh, I'm sorry. It is the noircenter.com. So that's the I hope you all heard her. Dot yeah. No E on Noir. It's the masculine version, not the feminine version. So it's no E on Noir. So it's www.thenoircenter.com. But also, just so you know, that noir without the E is is considered neutral. 
male and female together like if you just you know yeah but um it is wednesday and every wednesday we highlight women who are making a difference for our wcws do you ladies have your wcws today uh no no look normally that's me i i'm i'm proud of me today because not only did it that i not long ago choose my wcw i i I've, I've been running around wild and i was like i gotta have me a wcw for so many reasons okay so i will just go ahead and share that my wcw is ellen johnson sirleaf who is the president of liberia from 20, 2006 to 2018 and she's a nobel laureate she's internationally known as africans iron lady uh, and then nobel laureate ellen johnson sirleaf is a leading promoter of freedom peace justice women's empowerment and democratic rule as africa's first democratically elected female head of state she has led liberia through reconciliation and recovery following the nation's decade-long civil war as well as the ebola crisis winning internationally acclaimed uh for achieving economic, social, and political change. She's out of Liberia, and I'm gonna tell you why I chose her. So I don't know if you all have ever done like the Ancestor DNA or the 23andMe or, or any of those things. I so happen to do it, and let me tell y'all, I, when, when, you know, what they say, a mud is made up of a whole lot of things. Now I already knew, oh, I, I already knew I was a lot of things. Well, I already knew I was, you know, I knew somewhere down the line I had African in me, right? And I knew I was, you know, Mexican and I knew I was also Native American Indian. That was, I always known that. And so, but this, when it breaks down to percentages, I was things, first of all, I'm all over Africa. I was like, whoa, wait, wait, wait a minute. How you, so I came up 76.8% Sub-Saharan, Sub-Saharan Africa. So it's from- oh, wow. Yeah, but it's from like uh, 60% is in West Africa, which is like Ghana, Ghana, Liberia, Sierra Leone, uh, Nigeria, Senegambian, and then I'm broadly West African, and then Condoleezza, Southern uh, East African, uh, Congo. I'm like, what in the world? So I'm all over, like all over. Here's the Here's the unique part. So outside of being Mexican and Indian, like when you look at the lineage of just the Hispanic part, I mean, it came up in like Peru and some other places. Plus it said I had 0.1% still, which is odd, uh, Chinese and South Asian. And well, Philippines. that's a possibility because you yeah. know, they travel from Africa. Yeah, Africa. but Chinese and, and, and Filipino and Austronesian. I'm also 11.5% European between British and Irish the most. Scandinavian, I'm like, what? What the hell? <laughs> I'm like, I know I was a lot of things, but this here just just topped the cake for me. I was like, okay, now I'm officially a mutt. Hmm. I didn't even know how to process all of that. Well, that comes from both sides and everything just coming down to you. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But it just was very unique. I, I, I loved being able to see, you know, see things about myself. And even like with the indigenous um, Americans, I still have 11.4%. And it kind of tells you where generic, you know, where it's at. I'm trying, oh, it had me at, um, so Mexico, Belize, Peru, Brazil, Argentina. I mean, I, I hit those areas also. 
I was like, what the, what the whole hell? Hmm. Yeah. Well, that's cool. But it's had Native American. It's specifically specified and where at in places um, Native Americans were living. And I'm like, okay, so yeah, Brazil, Argentina, Peru, Belize, and Mexico was was the areas that came back to me. Mm-hmm. I was like, well, damn. So yeah, just interesting. Cool. And so who is your WCW? But that's why I chose my WCW because I feel like it's it's a piece now that I've learned of who I am. Of yourself. Yeah. yeah. Cool. Well, uh, I can share mine. Mine is Miss, a, a lady who I absolutely adore and love, and I love her platform and everything that she's doing. She's actually running for District 40 uh, for state representative. Her name is Melissa Myers. Uh, and one of her um, platforms that she's running on is mental health. And she was also uh, at my ribbon cutting ceremony and spoke. And so I absolutely love what she is doing and what she stands for and how she goes into the community. And uh, her targeted population are um, the elders, you know, our elders. And so she goes and she does a lot of volunteer work in helping them get their yards together because we do know that that's a lot of work. So she um, gets together volunteers and they pick a senior to go do the yard, paint the house, fix up, help them out, deliver meals. Oh, wow. and so she's doing all of this and she and she was doing this even before she decided to run. And just her voice and how she is not afraid and unapologetic, Dr. G, um, to stand up for what she truly believes <laughs> in, no matter who it is, you know, is uh especially when she stood up to the mayor of Okoye where we lived and got um, we used to have this festival. Um, and basically how it started was, do you, are you all familiar with the Okoli massacre? Mm-hmm. Okay, well, if not, one black man tried to go vote. The non-melanated individuals, they did not like that very much. Yeah. And they burned down the whole town, right? And so they used to have this celebration day. And basically it celebrated that, that massacre, right? So years later, looking up, like they still had it. You know, the on the day to celebrate this particular person. Um, and so she was like, okay, why are we celebrating this? Because this was not anything to celebrate. Mm-hmm. So why are we still having this? And it wasn't a festival. I can't think of the name that they called it, but it was just whole thing where everybody got together. And she actually was able to get the name changed and the date changed. So this was prior to her running. So being fearless and having courage to stand up for those things that are not right and that need to be changed. And I think we need more leaders like that. And I absolutely love Melissa Myers. So. Oh, that's awesome. That's my all right. All right. Wow. So that's awesome. I love that. You know, especially you have those who are real cha- game changers and leaders and those are the people who should be running. Those are the people who we should be putting in office because we know that they they stand behind what they believe prior to going into something that, you know, so significant that affects a lot of people. She's already 
been doing such an amazing job now it's like can you imagine once she's in office and there's a there's still red tape but a little less red tape that you have to go through so and you know she's willing to do the fight if she can have pulled off it's being able to change the date and the title of something so kudos a wcw all right um our guest has already showed up you know so i'm gonna bring her on a little bit early miss um executive coach jackie insinger who wrote a book called spark brilliance which i absolutely love and throughout her career jackie has brought her expertise in cognitive psychology and interpersonal dynamics to into the business world as a sought after executive and team dynamics coach Using her research-based action-oriented methodology, Jackie helps leaders and teams focus on unique strengths and authentic connections in order to increase performance, results, and fulfillment. Her positive psychology-led framework, Platinum Leadership, has been a game changer for thousands of people and businesses throughout the world. Jackie has a psychology degree from Duke University and a master's in human development and psychology from Harvard. And she is also a member of both Forbes Coaches Council and Harvard Business Review Advisory Council and lives in Denver with her husband and two sons, Simon and Miles, and enormous Newfoundland Haley, AKA Big Nazi. So come on up here. Welcome, Jackie. Hi, nice to meet you. Funny, we call our dog Big Nasty. And so it, she made it to my bio. So <laughs> that's her, her nickname. Oh, 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 is she really big then? She's 130 pounds and she's just this goofy, gentle giant. And yeah, so we call her the big nasty beast. So oh, wow, that's that's a lot. Of, that's 130 pounds. Wow, yeah. that's more than what I weigh. I've just you super warm in dinner. Yep. So yes. So Jackie, introduce yourself. I will kind of things that I did not already mention, but kind of just introduce yourself a little bit to our, you know, our listeners and our viewers. And then we're going to kick off asking some questions about what you do and what sparked your, your you know, you wanting to write a book called Spark Brilliance. Mm -hmm. Yes. Uh, well, thank you for having me. I'm really excited to be here with you all. So thank you. Um, I know this is a fun group and I did bring my, my, uh, guava champagne oh new favorite thing um so yeah so i'm i'm jackie i'm a kind of a positive psychology junkie i love all the research and stats that help you know people learn how to thrive and really live better lives and have more fun and more fulfillment and more happiness and you know there's a whole side of psychology now that's really focused on that side of the neuroscience, that side of the brain, and really how do we optimize our brain and behavior for success and happiness? And that's kind of been my my pull and uh, kind of a rabbit hole that I've been thrilled to kind of go down for almost 20 years now and bringing it to leaders and kind of taking all the research and bringing it to leadership and to teams and really helping with that authentic connection and effective, meaningful relationships and increasing performance along the way. Okay. All right. So before I ask that, what's the difference between what you do and let's say someone who is an industrial organizational psychologist? So my focus is really on leadership and um, the team dynamic. So it's not as much about the 
organization. I do bring it, get brought in a lot to do culture work, um, but not in terms of the, the organizational structure um, and really looking at it as a holistic way. It's much more, how do I really up-level this leader in the team? How do we make these actionable ships, shifts that really can um, impact the people and retention and engagement from that, you know, from it begins with you as the leader and then cascades out instead of, you know, top down. Okay. Okay. That makes sense. Cause I was like, Oh, that almost sounds like a little bit like industrial organizational psychology. Yeah, they overlap for sure. Yeah. Um, so what, what prompted this love for it? You know, you have to be a, a special, unique individual when you're working with people or, you know, you're working with behaviors and change management, getting people to shift the way they are thinking so that they can be better at their jobs. So what drew me to it? I think I naturally always had a slight obsession probably since I was little for how people act, react and interact. And part of that was just, you know, I loved reading people and why is this person responding negatively and this person responding positively? And why did this person make that decision versus this one? And, you know, really trying to understand. And um, it also was a, was a kind of a coping mechanism at the same time. I was a people pleaser and I really cared so much about um, the peace and making the peace and not causing disruption and people's experiences of me, probably more so than even my experience of myself, which is, you know, a lifelong journey to figure that out and work on. Right. And so, um, part of that was it, it was like a, it served me in two ways just to really try to figure out people and what made them happy and gave them a positive outcome. And so I studied it and learned it and just dove into it and realized how much actually more than the, the coping side for me was really this benefit that it brought you know, people that I worked with and the impact that it had. And then all this research started coming out. I was like, wow, this is a real thing. <laughs> you know, I can really do this for real. So it, it really validated a lot of what I was doing. Okay. And then, so how did you, did you want to ask something, Cortina, before I ask her about the platinum leadership framework? Oh, no, you can, you can go, ahead. go ahead. Okay. So what prompted that, you know, it, because that's it, that's unique to you, correct? Yeah. So what created this platinum leadership framework? How did you start putting together this framework? And then what does it mean for, let's say companies that say, you know what, I think I need this for my company. What does that all of that really mean? Well, the platinum part of it really starts with the mindset shift from the golden rule, which, you know, treat others as we wish to be treated and shifting to the platinum rule, which is treat others as they wish to be treated. And that's really, to me, the foundation of where we start. And then the path is the rest of it. So the reason why that I feel that's so important is, you know, who's to say that your needs and desires are the same as mine or that your version of help is the same that I need and how you need to be supported is the same way I need to be supported. You know, we all are unique in our own ways and have our own ways of being understood. And, you know, and I think our our basic human need, right, is to belong and to be seen mm -hmm. and to be heard and to have that true connection. And to do that, you have to understand somebody's understanding and treat them the way they need to be treated or want to be treated. And so that's the first that just the mindset shift of we all have different ways of showing up, different lenses on the world. And what is it that you need? How do you need feedback, right? What what does that look like to you? How do you need help when you're struggling with a project? What does that look like for you? And just really tuning into people around you. So it's just that 
the platinum part is really that first flip. And then the rest of it is really actionable steps that build on top of that is then how do you motivate? How do you, I call it getting people stretchy, like push your comfort zone without throwing you out of your comfort zone. And all of these steps about psychological safety and all these things, how do you build this and layer it on, starting with that first mindset shift first? Okay. No, go ahead. I was just saying, okay. (laughs) When you connect with different uh, companies and organizations, do you have different uh, training modules? Is it like a one time I come in and kind of galvanize all of the the players and get the team motivated and helping leadership within the organization say, okay, this is where you can show up more for your employees or your team so that they can produce more? Is it one time, long term? Is it quarterly? Or do you have specific things depending on the needs of the organization or the company? That's a great question. And it's the latter. It's really customized based on the company. I have some clients that I've worked with since 2011. And, you know, it depends on what the team needs and who needs what. And I'll coach the leaders and the leadership team and then whoever else, different departments, different things that come up to really help the company who believe kind of in this model. Sometimes I'll just do one on one executive coaching with somebody. And that's all I do with that person in that company. And then oftentimes it'll be a retreat, you know, a big offsite for a team who wants to dive deep into a particular thing. Um, So it really depends on on the need, which is something I'm working on because <laughs> customizing constantly is not always the most efficient way to run your business. <laughs> well, one of the things uh, that I want to ask is, what do you find? Because I know everybody's company is different, yeah. but from your perception as the coach, what do you find or what method do you find tends to yield the most outcome when you go into a company? What method or like which thing I'm work doing with them? Mm-hmm. Like the the longevity is it? Yeah. Um, maintenance, continuing on with what it is because sometimes you can go in and train and the team might not get it that first time. Right. It might take a couple of times in order for it to actually stick where they can now apply all of the tools that you've given them to said whatever the outcome. That the employer is looking for the company. And so from your perspective, after working with so many different companies, what model or uh, package do you feel yields the highest result on the investment that they're investing in you as far as the return? That's a really great question. I think you know, I have a client in mind and and it's been work, it's worked so well. So I completely believe, like agree with what you said, the sustainability is key. You can go in and teach somebody something. They have this great day, this aha moment, they put it on the shelf and it's like, what was that thing we did? Right. So I fully believe in sustainability and accountability with these things. So there has to be something ongoing um, to keep people, keep it top of mind and keep people doing it, doing the work. Um, So I think like having an intensive first, I love programs where we go in and do like a full day intensive and then generally with the in, in the full team and then doing usually either monthly or every a couple months you know a, a lunch and learn or something like 90 minutes two hours with the full team and then coach the leaders because mm-hmm. the leaders they follow your lead right mm-hmm. so it's the leaders that get to choose the destination for the team and make sure that they take this and commit to it um, and, you know, the first line and last line of the book is it begins with you as the leader and it's your choice, right? How the team shows up. 
Um, and there's so much neuroscience behind that as well. So um, I, that's the best way is the ongoing coaching of the leaders and then the deep dive with everyone. And then I think the the shorter, you know, packed punches of whatever's most relevant for the team as we go to kind of drill it in and make it sustainable. When you're in, I'm sorry. Sorry, I got one more question. Uh, So when you're in with the leaders, let's say you pull them to the side and you see maybe behavioral things that are not helpful, that could be detrimental to them being effective as a leader. Do you generally call it out or do you say, hey, Joe, you know, I noticed you said this about your team that might not be as helpful because it might come out in the way that you're leading your team, even though you might not say it. Our thoughts affect our behavior. So do you call them out? Yes. That's a great question. question. Um, Yeah. I think that's like my job, right. Is to get them aligned to be the, the, you know, the, the best leader they can be for their team. And so, you know, and I'll do it more in a way of, you know, I'm curious about this. Mm-hmm. Right. And, um, and, you know, wanting to understand more about it and then just kind of just getting them maybe to the point of realizing the impact it could have. And part of it, you know, I use a lot of stats. And so, you know, when yeah, I might throw out something about, you know, what a positive outlook does mm-hmm. for the team in terms of their performance, productivity, profitability and the impact of stress goes down and I'll throw out some numbers around it. And generally somebody who's skeptical or negative, they hear those things and it's like, oh, okay. Or, you know, 58% of people trust a complete stranger more than their boss. Right. And somebody hears that it's like, okay, Mm -hmm. you know, and then you follow it with how many people are leaving because they don't have trust in their organization. It's like, okay, well then this matters to me. Right. So whatever it takes, you want it to matter because it really matters but sometimes you have to hook them with the things that matter to them. And then once they start taking the baby steps and they see people showing up more open, taking more interpersonal risks, sharing more opinions in their voice and getting better ideas and more innovation, that's when they say, okay, I see why I can connect this way now. And so it might take a little longer, but they generally drag over to that side. (laughs) I just have a quick question. I know that there's been a significant shift in a lot of companies for DEI and DEI training. Has that changed your framework at all? You know, and how you have to now go in with a different mindset and you, cause you had your, your framework set up, you know, mm-hmm. one way, but now you have this big DEI push. Um, and especially, you know, you wrote a book, you know, and I want to talk about that too. And that would be the other question that would relate to that you wrote your book spark brilliance but do you also address dei as a part of that because that's such a significant shift especially being a a woman going in saying i'm going to make some changes and um a lot of companies are still very male driven uh, and male you know male dominated yeah and so uh, that's a great question i have um a huge passion for all the dei and belonging and all of the the movements and the importance of that in organizations i actually have a separate company with a partner called Enjoy Success, and it's fully dedicated to accelerating the growth of women leaders in business. And we've been doing that for years, and it's an immersive program for companies. And, um, you know, one of the things about this particular model that I 
that I love and believe in is that everybody has a unique lens mm -hmm. and we have to honor that. Right. And so that's so much of the premise of this is honoring differences and then leveraging strengths to be a higher performing team. And at all levels of diversity, from diversity of thinking to, you know, every single layer that that's honored, that's what we bring. And that's what should be valued and respected and heard and seen. And so that's so that's so um, just embedded in this whole process. Wow. And so quickly, what, oh, you want to ask a question, Louisa? If you can finish, that's going to be a second part of your question. I don't want to um, break up the question. Oh, no, you can, you can go ahead and ask. It's fine. No, I was going to say, um, so how does this work for you or during the pandemic? How did you connect with um, the leaders or, or their, or their, their um, employees? Like, how did that work for you? You know, that's a great question. And when the pandemic hit, I was really scared that I was going to be the first thing cut from a budget. Mm -hmm. um, and what ended up happening was really surprising and really positive. Um, and just, it was such a really cool thing for me to see. So what happened was, was so many leaders realized, I don't know how to lead remotely and I'm losing this connection. I don't know how to connect with my employees and keep them motivated and keep them engaged. And they were scared of losing people and, um, and they were scared and so stressed. And so what happened, which was really interesting is my business went like in a really quick upward trajectory because people cared and the people you see these leaders, I call it culture theater. A lot of companies have what I call, you know, culture theater where it's like taco Tuesdays and kombucha on tap and foosball tables. So come work for us. Cause we're really awesome. Right. But they don't do the work that's, you know, below that, the waterline, that's the real connecting, the real culture work, that real safety of creating an organization where people want to show up. Right. And so when everybody went remote, that was exposed. So you can't cover up anymore. So those companies all of a sudden are like, we're losing people because we don't actually have the, the piece that matters. Right. So those leaders were the ones who were all of a sudden, the ones who cared were the ones raising their hand, like, I need to learn this. So yeah, that's a great question. I think one of the things that's important, especially even when you're thinking, because you can call somebody in like to your organization when you see you might be having some challenges. So now we're reacting to maybe something that happened and we realize we need a business coach or an executive coach to come in and kind of help us. Mm -hmm. But I think it's very important, even when you're thinking about starting an organization to really have someone to help you sift out what do we mm -hmm. want our company culture to look like. Right. Mm -hmm. So now we're kind of brainstorming with a professional who can help us. And if you say you want this type of team, these are the type of leaders you want. Mm -hmm. This is how you have to lead your team. This is how you have to build up your team. This is what you look for when you're hiring. This is These are some things you may want to add to your mission and your vision to really help drive that forward. Because if your employees believe in the mission, they're going to work harder for you. You're yeah. going to have less turnover and you're going to be more successful at being able to market your product, get it out there or whatever service it is or good that you're providing. And so what's your thoughts on bringing somebody in even before we start hiring to kind of help mold what we see from this company or organization? I think that's brilliant. I think that's absolutely brilliant. I think that's 
it's the, like we find it's the most important piece, right? And through this great resignation and everybody's leaving and you have options, you're like, I just want to feel purpose and I want to feel respected and I want to feel valued by my company. And I want to show up and do things that I care about and that I feel energized by. And, you know, all of this, you know, reevaluating that people have done that it we've seen, this is, this is key. This is the most important piece. So now that we have this information, I, I think it's silly to not put the emphasis on that from the beginning, because if you lose your high performers and that's what you're banking on is just the performance, then what do you, what do you have? Yeah. Yeah. I think the pandemic also taught people how to do more with less, you know, and then they got to really connect. They had no choice but to connect with their children, connect with their husbands, (laughs) connect, you know, connect with family, you know, because then it was more, some people hadn't talked to their family that often, but because because people were getting sick so much and dying, it was, it started making people feel like, now I have to slow down. I, I'm, I need to be more present with my family or my mom, my dad, my sisters, my brothers, my nieces, my nephews. It really forced them to wake up, take a step back and evaluate their lives. And so a lot of people you know, changed the way that they viewed work. Cause I know, I know I was one of those at first. I was like, ah, I, I hated working from home. Like I absolutely was one of those that no, thank you. I had already teleworked from home twice a week. And that was a lot for me already. Okay. Then to be stuck at home, I was like way stressed out. Um, but it did get me, you know, I did different things. Like I did a program called coffee with coworkers where I got, I, I opened up a zoom and whoever wanted to come on can just come uh-huh. on and just have some interaction but we we didn't realize how connected we were to our jobs and we got to figure out we had to find out quickly like cortina said or like you said i don't really even matter to these people it's like right yeah yeah, why am i sticking around so i'm gonna find me another place where i want to belong but absolutely money stopped mattering Mm-hmm. That, that you know, being able to have the flexibility at home and have flexibility with their kids and be you know be able to cook and and do things that some people had not been able to do for twenty years because they was doing the rat race of of work. So right. I definitely see you know that leaders having to overcome that if they've never had to. Which brings me to now, let's talk about your book you know, spark brilliance, because you're already doing a lot. What prompted you to say, you know what? I think I want to write a book now. (laughs) So uh, that's a good question. It's been, it's been in my head for about 10 years and it was finally one of those things that I'm like, this is the time. And part of it, you know, in full honesty is because I'm, I'm very much someone who, you know, pulls in the moment what needs to happen. So I'll go in with a plan and I often, you know, do this in the room. Like, what do we organically need to do? What's coming up? Where do we need to go with this? So I very rarely stick to my plan. And I realized I don't have a process that's replicable. And the only people that I can work with are the people in the room and even building a team. How do I teach somebody if all of it is really in the moment that I'm navigating? And so um, details are not one of my superpowers. So the hardest part and the reason why it took me 10 years was because I'm like, I have to get this out of my head and organize it in a way that makes sense, that's actionable and that builds and takes the best of all these different things that I do and makes it and simplifies it. 
And so that's what it took two years of writing um, to get it into this system, into a process that people can just take and do. And, you know, each chapter has a self-evaluation to start with, and they all have um, next steps to do with your team. And the goal is that you you read it, you understand it, you learn it, and then you implement it. And then you you take, you know, a month and you implement that practice and then you build the next step and you build the next step until you've got it. And so that's um, that was the goal is really to get it into a process that other people can do and use that's simple um, and that's sustainable. Do you do you put your framework? So you put you take you've taken your framework and then made it accessible. Yep, that's what I'm hearing. Exactly. Okay. What do you, what do you find was the most challenging part of not just the writing? Because the writing, of course, takes a while. But through this whole process, once you had your book finished, tell me what was your challenge after that? Because sometimes writing the book is the easy part. You know, I've been really surprised at how fun it's actually been once the book came out, and I think it's because it took me so much time to write it, um, and I cared so much about like every word, you know, the, all the stories, all the people and just everything in it and all the stats that I put. I had 200 page document of statistics that I would mix and match to be like, this is the right one for this spot. This is the right, you know, so I was so meticulous with the writing that it was just really fun for me afterwards to be like, ooh, that, you know, that person, this really mattered to this person. Or I get, you know, this message from someone I've never met who said, you know, I felt like you were talking to me here. Or I've tried this and it worked like this. And so it's just been really just a blessing since the book came out. Wow. Oh God. 200 pages of statistics. Yeah. Are, are you human? First of all, I, I guess I have to ask that. Are you human? You must be like a robot. I, I detest statistics that much. Um, did you do the data collection for these or this yeah. is just statistics that you gathered? It's gathered. Okay, I thought Curated. you were doing like quantitative yeah. studies and analysis and all no. of that. I was like, oh my god! Oh no, no, no! <laughs> I, I let other people do those, right? <laughs> so I take other people's amazing research, okay, and find okay. the stats that seem really okay. impactful to me, okay. and then I build all the strategies around them, or I or I back up the strategies I built with studies and and stuff, just because I find. Um, it covers the basis for people who just get it intuitively, like the soft skills and the importance of it. And then there are a lot of leaders who don't, and they need to see, why am I doing this? Why does this matter? What's the impact, not just for me or my team, but what's the bottom line impact, right? And so I made sure in the book, it covers all of that so that every topic had what I call a business breakthrough. So how does this impact your bottom line if you do this? Mm -hmm. So for those levels of skeptics out here, you're covered. And for people who just get it, and it just resonates immediately that this is a human business, right? Um, being a leader, you you know, and that's the difference, I think, between being a leader and a manager. You manage things, you lead people, right? So mm -hmm. this is a book for leaders. And um, and that's where a lot of people just get it. But the people who don't, there's something in there to help you get it. <laughs> so let me ask you this. You, you've been in this field. You have lots of statistics. I, there's always this argument that... Um, leaders are born and not made. What is what is your your take on that? No, that's a great question. There are studies behind that. Um, so studies show nine out of ten people do not have the innate inclination to lead. Um, so and studies show, you know, there's an average of ten people per team. So ninety percent of the time, the person who's the team leader does not have the natural inclination to lead. So that being said, it doesn't mean it can't be taught. 
right? Some people can just show up and be an amazing leader. A lot of leaders, probably the majority of leaders are promoted into a leadership position because they're excellent at their work, right? So they're so good at this thing. And now all of a sudden they're expected to be great at leading people, which is a completely different ballgame. So there needs to be for apparently 90% of people, some training around how do you do that, right? If it's not natural, then how do you learn that? And so that's where um, I think I think it's learnable for and teachable for anybody. It's just some people don't need it, 10%. <laughs> I think sometimes it's even allowing people to tap into some of the abilities they didn't even know that they had, right? Yeah. So if I never aspired to be a leader, but I possess leadership qualities that I've that have never been challenged because maybe I was a worker, so I never have to really show or display those leadership qualities. They can go undiscovered, yeah. you know, until you're pushed into that leadership role that kind of exposes like, oh, they're not only a good employee, but with a little bit of development, I can see this leader. So I would say that Mm -hmm. all leaders are born, but with a little bit of development, they can actually walk into their leadership abilities. Exactly. And easily, right? They can walk into it seamlessly. Other people might be like, well, I don't know how to have a feedback conversation like that. That that feels really uncomfortable for me. Or do I really need to check in with them again? Like I already told them what to do. Right. So there's there's that side of it, you know. Um, and so there's there's a whole spectrum of how people show up naturally. Some people have that like they can read people, they can tune in um, and have whether it's a quiet strength or, or a loud strength, but they just they have a, a motivating side to them and they can read they can read that in people. And that those are the people who's kind of seamlessly transition. But I think everybody needs some guidance. And I tell a lot of um, when I'm talking to people about uh, managing styles, I say it's important to manage by personality because everybody mm-hmm. is not different. I mean, not everybody is the same. Yeah. Some people need micromanaging. Some people do not. Some people being micromanaged, they may underproduce. Whereas someone who is just free to be themselves, I'm like, oh, I'm going, I'm doing this, I'm doing everything yeah. you want me to do. And so checking yourself and understanding what your leadership style is as you lead your team will help you better lead. Because some people are like, well, I just am what I am and I treat everybody the same. You're not going to get the same results treating everybody the same. No. You have to manage to personalities of people. Yep. And that's the platinum rule. That's the whole purpose of the platinum is treat others as how they wish to be treated. And that's because they have different personalities. They have different needs. They have different motivators. They have different experiences, different stories, you know, so it's just how, what do they need? And so I agree with you a hundred percent. And, and I believe it always starts with the leader. So like you said, what's your leadership style, understanding that even in the first chapter, it goes through a series of questions to ask yourself as a leader, you have to understand how you want to be treated before you can go and move on to that with others. You ever heard, I'm sure you, which is one last thing. I know you heard of the five love languages, right? Yes. Okay. So I have something known as like, what's your productivity language? Ooh. Cause it's different. Nobody don't take that. I'm trademarking it. I want to take it. Different things motivate people differently. Yeah, Absolutely. So I was going to say, I think for me, when especially when I was working for the government, I, I had a different management style and from my leadership style. 
they they you know they could not they they had to coexist together but i knew i there was there's ways to separate it even as an entrepreneur i feel like you know how i manage and how i lead or cannot be the same yes manage management to me is much harder yes. <laughs> much harder than leadership because as a leader you can't necessarily be as sensitive as you are as a manager. I mean, so you, you still have to be fair across the board, but you also have to be stern in a way that when I'm managing people, because I'm managing programs, I'm managing based off of a mission that I have to, I have to reach. There's objectives to my job that I have to, you know, that I have to reach. There's policies in place that requires me to manage a certain way in order for us to be productive. But when I'm leading, I have a team of people that I have to lead. They're looking up to me. So that's I feel like leading is my administrative stuff that I have to do. And then I have my actual job <laughs> that I get paid to do where I'm managing. I'm managing people that are managing a workload and I'm managing this workload with them. So to me, I've always departmentalized, I guess, okay. or compartmentalized that um the difference between the two. So if I'm, if one of my, when, when I was working for the government, if my, during my staff meetings, I had a very open forum, but I, I did that. I, so we talked about management issues and all of that stuff, but then I had to switch hats and be a, a, a leader because I had certain things that I needed them to be able to accomplish because I needed them to be better. I, I we always had this open communication. I felt like, um, as, as I always say, as a leader, I tell them, I need you to be gone before I'm gone. Hmm. I saw a lot of great things. So I was one of those leaders that I'm going to make sure you get the training that you need to be better. I'm, I'm going to uplift you, make sure that you have the things that you have. And, it, and some of it had nothing to do with the, the job that they were doing. It's where do you see yourself? That's what I want you to be. Not any of this stuff that you're doing now. So to me, I, I differentiate being a manager and being a leader because as a leader, I'm my goal is to elevate you to your next level. How can I make you better? What can I, where do you see yourself? Hopefully it's not with the same agency for, for 15 years, especially because I, I, me changing agencies broadened my perspective and made me even better at what I was doing. And I was able to do different things. So I, I guess for me, and I don't know how you feel about that in terms of differentiating the, you know, between management and leadership when you're working with leaders. And, and I think that's, you know, just to commend you on how you approach that there's Here's a stat for you. Um, they interviewed three and a half million people who left their jobs last spring. And and, and I'm going to give you a range on this because I'm not exactly sure on the number. It's somewhere between 93% and 96%. And someone in there said that they would have considered staying if their um, boss had a um, conversation around professional development with them. Like wow. that. I mean, so this is what you're leading with, right, mm -hmm. is I want to help you elevate your career. What's next? What's next? And 93 to 96, somewhere in there said, I would have stayed if someone looked at my future with me, right, and mm -hmm. offered that professional development. So it's so important to people. And that's where that's why all this research matters so much to me, because you see like, oh, this, this, this matters. So as a leader, you need to incorporate this into your one on ones, you need to incorporate this into your planning with people. Because this, this is what people are caring about, right? Mm -hmm. So I think the like what you're saying, I think management 
the way I look at it is managing is really of processes, you know, projects and those types of things. And and leadership is about the people. And Mm -hmm. so I agree, leadership's kind of up here and you manage the things. And so that takes a lot of that diligence and work and responsibility and focus. And, And up here, it's really this, I look at it as an opportunity, like you have an opportunity and a privilege to serve these people and help grow them into the best versions of themselves. And um, never take that for granted, right? And there are ways to do that in such positive, supportive, um, tuned in, transparent, all you know, all those those ways that matter and make people feel psychologically safe mm-hmm. to be themselves and to grow into their 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 highest authentic self. Yeah. There, so somebody asked a question: Is there a management or behavioral theorist theorist a theorist that you follow? So I, you know, I so. There are a couple of people that I follow that I love their their ways of of doing things and that I, that I um, just admire so much. Probably my two heroes. One is Marshall Goldsmith, who is um, you know kind of renowned as the number one executive coach in history. Um, mm-hmm. I love his way of thinking. I love the, his approach to everything, and it's very positive and very actionable and very human sided. Um, on the on the flip side, my other hero is Sean Acor, who's the top positive psychology researcher. And he's hilarious too. He's Oprah's happiness guru. He's like Oprah's favorite person. Um, he's, um, he's amazing. And so I follow a lot of his theories and, and his research and, and Marshall Goldsmith from the coaching side. So those are the two people that I kind of um, revere the most. All right. So where, where can people follow you? Where can they get your book, Spark Brilliance? Uh, you know, how, how do they connect with you? Yeah, so the book, you know, probably easiest place is Amazon. Um, the audiobook's coming out, I think, next next week or the week after. Um, but, you know, the Kindle version and paperback and hardback are there. Um, I'm on LinkedIn as Jackie and Singer and um, Instagram. And um, anybody can email me too, Jackie at Spark Brilliance. I'd love anybody's questions or feedback. I'm always open to that. Love engagement. All right. Well, we thank you so much for dropping by. Yeah. My gosh, this was like absolutely informative and amazing. I'm definitely going to have to get your book, Spark Brilliance. I'm doing a whole lot of things and I always love different leadership books from, because I like to look at them from different views. So Mm -hmm. definitely, you know, even I would say even great leaders still need to, you know, stay tuned, you know, stay in tune with what's going on to be even better because the world is changing. Mm-hmm. things change. So, you know, we, we should be able to evolve as well. So I agree. I agree. I talk about it going from great to extraordinary. That's where we go. Right? Yeah. Thank yeah. you so much for having me and for this great conversation. Yes. Oh yeah. I Joining us and, you know, uh, congratulations on, on your book and hope it has, you know, tons of massive success and, you know, get out here and have these, what, what Cortina, you said that leaders are not are born. So hopefully I'll read the book and tap into themselves to become <laughs> <laughs> as leaders now. Yourself. Thank yeah. you so much again. We'll be in touch Thank for sure. You. Thank you so much. Thank you. you. Oh, I'm sorry, ladies. My phone is just doing what it wants to do. <laughs> no need to apologize. What happens? You know, technology has a way of, you know, doing stuff, but this is how people know it's live. Ah, always like per usual, um, a phenomenal guest. She was our, before I say that, that, you know, and I don't think we have another guest for the rest of this, for the last two episodes. It'll be just us ladies celebrating. Oh, 
As of right now, yeah, somebody's gonna tune in. I mean, click in. I know. So yeah, I'm not even going to put out there that, you know, we have these two slots. I will be, you know, we'll, we'll in two weeks, ladies, we will have our summer vacation. Two months. It's coming so fast. Oh my God. I know. This every Wednesday, I, you know, it's always testable to see, you know, like, can we do this? We have done it, ladies. Yeah. We have definitely been able to be present. Um, every Wednesday. And even if not, you're always here, you know, any of you are here in spirit, you know, but we, we did this. I'm excited about, you know, coming back after the um, holiday. Well, not our real holiday, our summer break. Um, <laughs> it's a holiday for us because we have two months off. Cortino get to celebrate her birthday and yeah, yeah, yeah. going on. So, you know, all of this is like super important for us to be able to take a break and decompress and then come back and you know i'm going to celebrate with you ladies for this next two weeks um for sure on our our podcast and then we potentially have a guest but not really a guest probably a co-host that will come on i'm going to confirm that shortly but yeah just keep you surprised about what's going on well you ladies know i'm talking about the oh viewers i'll let you all know <laughs> As the time comes, because you know, I'll send you the emails every week, anyhow, beforehand. Uh, Louisa, how can people connect with you? What's going on with you if you want to shout anything out? Um, mm -hmm. what's going on with us? I thought of me trying to get some type of sanity because it's just been a little cuckoo. <laughs> uh, um, nothing much is going on. We've been listen, I'm sorry, listen, I'm sorry. Um, you can find me at the Blue Phoenix Hills everywhere. Let me go back on mute because. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Cortina, where can people find you? You can find me at the Girlfriend Therapist on all social media platforms. That's where you can find me. Okay. All right. And you can find me at I A M D R P G U R L E Y. I am Dr. P. Gurley. I'm on every platform under that name. <laughs> For the uh, Herspiration brand, you can reach us at um, Herspiration HH on Twitter, DAW Entertainment um, on Instagram, and on Facebook, of course, it's Herspiration Happy Hour because you are here right now. Yes. And then, oh, you know, I'm always forgetting about this. Um, uh, if you, yeah, the tip jar. If you love the show, hit us on the tip jar at www.buymeacoffee.com backslash Herspiration HH. Our free, our show is always free. We definitely want to keep it that way. We love all of you all's engagement. We are just thankful that, you know, for you all tuning in on the Wednesdays, as well as afterwards, downloading and catching up and getting some insight. We've had the telling you our guests woo, have been on fire every Wednesday. They have. They really have. <laughs> have been on fire. Um, last thing with me, I'm just going to I'm, I'm excited. Uh, yeah, I'm excited about this Saturday. I'm kicking off my. Um, kids red carpet book signing tour. Y'all it's, it's so, uh, so, so, so amazing. Um, Atlanta, you're going to be next on July 9th. I'm working out. I'll be flying to Atlanta next week to go ahead and do the venue walkthrough and go ahead and pick that out. But in the interim, if you know, you can go to my website, www.imdrpgirly.com and go under events for the Brown girl and Brown boy and get some information. If you want to be an author or a vendor or want to sponsor you know, you can send an email to VIP events at I am Dr. P as well. 
Yeah, I'm just this Saturday is going to be on fire. I just never just out my wildest dreams. Um, the way that things have just fallen into place. I'm feeling very blessed and lucky. My family will be flying in, which is my events and support team. Oh, my little Morgan, but Morgan, I'll, I'll she'll be in the next one. She'll be in Atlanta. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> hopefully, you too, so I can see you. Um, yeah, I'm trying to come too. Not just her. I'm trying to come too. I'm trying to come. But too. I am excited um, about you know Saturday's event. I'm going to be live sometimes. I'm going to just have some fun with it and wing it. I have it's so much stuff, so much work that I'm. Yeah, doing. I was looking at the balloons. They're so cute. Oh, you have not. Well, those are not even balloons. I'm going to show really? you. Life has been like. Oh, balls! Yes, they don't like balloons. Mm. I thought they were. I thought they were. I thought they were balloons. That's the whole point. That's the whole point. This is my, um, you know, oh, that's so smart. Though. Decorating. That um, is so smart. It is. Yeah. So here's the thing. I love my balloon decorations. I always do. But paying all of that money to have them torn apart like three hours later after after an event is like I'm throwing money out the out the drain, and I can be paid putting that forward to things for the kids and. Giving, you know, you know, giving away free books or giving away free because I have VIP swag bags whenever, you know, they buy my book. So um, it, it's just something different. So, yeah, I have a ton of these everywhere. I have them in the car. Um, so I'm festive. I might still have some balloons out there. But, yeah, but this cuts down on some of the stuff that I have to do. So the columns of balloons, those are now those are that's what these are. That is so. You have to text where you ordered those from. I might have to borrow your ideas if I like that. <laughs> yeah. uh, not to put no little damper on everything, but it is a sad day in America uh, when we cannot protect a woman's right to choose. And oh, yes, as uh, yeah, I, I know it's just been bothering me. It doesn't matter what you believe. If you do not have the body parts that I have, you should not be making decisions and choices over what I do and don't get to do. And my thing is they introduced a bill in Texas that they want to make having an abortion punishable by death. You going to kill me for you saying what? What sense does this make? And this is mostly the same people that were my body, my choice with the mask. Okay, you're talking about a mask. Mm -hmm. This is like really my body that has absolutely no bearing on you, nothing to do. And if I were to bring this child, let's just say I'm 13, I was raped for whatever. Hell, because I just don't want to have it. Are you going to help me financially? Are you going to provide free child care? Are no, you because then you'll be a burden on the state. You'll be talked about. You'll be another statistic. You know what? I'm going to keep my comments because we are actually going to be talking about this tomorrow on the No Filter Show. Oh, okay. At 8.30 on Facebook, you guys, and YouTube. So, but yeah, no, I, I'm, I'm I, I, I have so many mixed feelings. I've always been pro-choice because one, it's not, my, it's not my vagina to tell anybody what to do with it. Yeah. I don't want nobody telling me what to do with mine or any. So, no. But I also feel like you you have all of this to say, but you make it even difficult for for even for medication sometimes like birth control. You know, then the other part is hell. Black women get subpar health care as it is, and you trying to make force her to have a damn baby. How about get better health care? Give us a little more equity. 
<laughs> in our healthcare. You know, how about pay us some more? Because did you also see where Amazon is it is it what Elon Amazon and was it Facebook that was that would pay for their employees abortions if they want them? Oh, wow. What? Yeah, I saw that come across and I was like, I don't know how how true that is. But if that's really the case, it's like, is it is, is it a kudos to you? And I saw mixed feelings or mixed emotions in the chat because they were just saying, of course, they won't give you a higher raise, but they'll pay for you to have an abortion. It's like, um, hurry you up. Come and back to work. So, so instead of paying you for maternity leave, it's like, let me pay for this abortion. So I just have, you know, I, there's, there's so many, there's so much conversation going on about that. And at the end of the day, people should not be making any kind of law. I don't care, you know, if you're a male or a woman, you should not have a right to tell somebody what to do with their body, period. Raped or not. I think that, you know, Whoever is going to take care of that child or whoever's vagina it is, whoever, that should be their responsibility to choose. Let me give a little quick story. In 2009, I found that I was pregnant, right? So I miscarried. And how I found that was I miscarried when I went to the hospital. They asked me, was there any chance that I could be pregnant? And I was like, oh, hell no. But guess what? I was. I was pregnant with twins and I lost one, right? And so I had to stay in Louisiana for a little bit until I was able to fly because of the elevation. And then when I got back, you know, I went to the doctor and the doctor was saying that, you know, the levels were not where they needed to be. And the likelihood of me being able to carry this baby to term was slim. And if I did, the baby would definitely have birth defects and abnormalities. Mm -hmm. Right. So with this law, being passed, right? So I started having pain and I started bleeding. So when I went back to the doctor, they gave me, I think it's uh, methylpristone that helped because the baby was aborted. Oh, the, the, um, the, the other one. Okay. Um, and so what happened was uh, they gave me that to help, to help me to soften my service, to help me pass or whatever. With this law, you know that I would have to risk infection because it would be a crime for them to aid in any of that. Do you, th this reversal of Roe versus Wade is so unfortunate because yeah. of what it means for so many people. Take, okay, say you don't want the people with the choice, right? But what about the people who have like real health issues? You would rather me risk my life and have to carry a baby that might be dead inside of me two term because of your holier than thou and your ideations of the way things should be. I don't think that's right. I think it's sad. I think it's a miscarriage of the responsibility that leaders, we talking about leaders, that mm -hmm. leaders have the obligation that they have to the citizens of America. And it's just, it's very sad. You know, here's the thing. They focus on reversing that. How about remove stuff that don't need to be in there? I mean, when it comes to voting, when it comes to equal rights, when it comes to a lot of stuff, how about change the, our, the judicial system to, and so that some of these people who are, um, the well just first of all all this injustice for minorities fix that shit 
you're trying to fix shit that ain't got nothing to do with you. <laughs> so I, so that's why I said I have so many strong feelings on that. People can oppose it, but I, I like I said, I've always been pro-choice because it's not my body um, for me to tell anybody what to do with theirs, no matter how I feel. It's just like people can choose their own sexuality, no matter how I feel about that. That's your uh, that's your choice. So to me, your choice, your you know your body, your choice, no matter what you choose to do with it. So. Yeah. Wow. Well, all right. Well, you know, this is this is kind of conversation. You know what? That's what we can definitely talk more about too next week. Definitely. Uh, so it'll be the first time this year that it would just be us ladies. Oh, hmm. that's right. <laughs> we have been booked and busy. Booked and busy. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, but all right, you all, you know, we love what you all tuning in and watching us and everything that we have going on. Tune in next week. It will be us ladies having some cocktails and conversations. Uh, it'll be hodgepodge. What is a hodgepodge conversation? Yep. There's a whole. Uh, we have uh, we have Google. a whole year of stuff so far that we have not been able to talk about. <laughs> so, uh, we look forward to seeing you all next next week on Wednesday at 7 p.m. right here um, on the YouTube, Facebook, and Twitch channel. So, cheers. cheers.